You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. He's still a good father. and That's what we're going to talk about today. I titled my sermon, as most fathers probably have said, let's do something crazy. Let's do something crazy crazy. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. He's writing to a Gentile church, so that means he's writing to us specifically. And he writes, and because you are his sons, praise God right there. Ain't that just a great statement to read? Because you are his sons, God has sent forth. You didn't ask for this. God willfully gave this. He sent forth the spirit of his son, into your hearts. And because of that, there is a cry that happens inside of you. It doesn't cry out, ah, I'm a sinner. Ah, I'm unworthy. Ah, I can't believe this. What it cries out from the depths of your soul, because the Spirit is inside of you, it cries out, Abba, Father. And look at verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. Now, it would be good enough if I was just a son of God, if I was the red-headed stepson, if I was the black sheep son, we as Gentiles, if we were the barely good enough to get into the family son, that would be good enough because in the old covenant, I wasn't allowed in. In Most of the customs of the Old Covenant, they weren't even allowed to talk to us, interact with us, marry us, the Jewish people, to the Gentile people. And God opened the door for us because the Jews didn't want to believe that Jesus was who he says he was. And he allowed it, he allowed the door to open for us to walk in. And we could have walked in as the adopted children. We could have walked in as friends, we could have walked in as servants, we could have walked in as all kind of things, but he allowed us to become his sons. And with that, we became heirs of God through Christ. So whatever Jesus is getting, that means we get it as well. Praise God. God sees us as sons and daughters. And you see, that was one of the things that frustrated the Pharisees so much about Jesus. Jesus said a lot of things, but there was something that Jesus said that just rubbed them raw when he called God Father. Because these Pharisees had gone through all of these years of training. These high priests had done all of these things over and over and over again. And they knew God as so many different names. But this man showed up and he started calling their God his father. And they said, all the work that I've done, all the good deeds that I've done, all the studies that I've done... I've never been allowed to call him father. I've never had that type of access and the audacity that this man who shows up by the name of Jesus just starts calling God father. And they couldn't take it. They couldn't handle it. And because of that, they crucified him. Rubbed him raw. Made them angry. I don't get to call him that. I have to call him all these other names. There's this disconnect. There's not this closeness like you're talking about. 
And then Jesus starts teaching the Apostle Paul about what he wants to expose and tell the Gentile people. And what he could have told the Gentile people is from this point forward, you are a servant to God. We see that in the scriptures. We are called servants of God. You now work for God. You clock in, you clock out, and you go home. And you deal with being a servant of God. But that is not the only thing that God and Jesus wanted to impart into Paul, to impart into the Gentile church. He could have told the Apostle Paul, which he did, that we as Gentiles are now friends of God, right? If you were in the 90s, you probably sang that song. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. He calls me friend. And I'm a servant of God. I, I do work for God. I'm also a friend, but I don't go to my friend's house all the time. I don't live at my friend's house. I might call him every once in a while. I might text him every once in a while. I might go over there and have dinner with him. But there's still a disconnect in that. And what Jesus told Paul to tell the Gentile people is, yes, you are servants. Yes, you are friends. But I am going to give you the ability to be sons of and daughters of God. And you get the access and the ability to not call him just Yahweh, to not just call him Elohim, to not call him all these names. You can call him not just Father, but Abba, Father. Praise God. And now, us as Gentiles get the opportunity to call him Abba, Father. And that is another thing that rubbed the Jewish people raw. That's why they followed Paul everywhere he went. No, you have to be circumcised. You don't have the, you didn't, you got brought into this late. There's no reason that you get to call him father. You've got to call him something else. You've got to act a different way. But no, Paul taught me through what Jesus told Paul is that I get to call him Abba Father. And I don't have to stay on the outside courts of the temple anymore. I can go into the temple. I can go to the most secret of places where the high priest was only allowed to go once a year. I can now walk not just timidly, but boldly into his throne room and obtain whatever is needed at that moment. I use this illustration so many times because I'm so used to it, except last night, praise God, she slept all night. But my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night and comes into our bed. So two nights ago, yeah, I think it was two nights, Friday night, I was working on my sermon Friday night in my bed, and Noah came in, Maddie was putting Eliza down, and he said, well, I'm going to sleep in your bed tonight. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And then when Maddie comes in, she'll take Noah out, and then... Uh, and so Noah was in bed with me. We went to sleep. I woke up, and Eliza was in bed with me, sleeping next to me, and Noah was not in my bed anymore. And then Maddie came in from whatever she was doing, probably praying for me, let's assume that. She came in, and she got Eliza, and then left with Eliza. I fell back asleep, woke up, and Noah was back in bed with me. My wife was nowhere to be found. Now, if you, in the middle of the night, woke up and had a bad dream and drove to my house, somehow got in my 
house and then walked into my house and got in bed with me because you had a bad dream or you were cold or you needed a drink of water or whatever reason, there would be a conversation that probably wouldn't be the greatest pastoral conversation if at two in the morning you were in bed with me because you're not allowed in there. I'm sorry. But my children are allowed at any point, at any time, to come and get and receive whatever they need from me at any time. If you wake me up in the middle of the night by calling me or texting me, I'm going to think, oh no, what happened? But if my kid comes in my room in the middle of the night, I grab my daughter and I put her right next to me. And my daughter, being as passive as aggressive as she can be at three years old, at three in the morning, will yell at me, Dad, snuggle. Which means I have to turn over, roll over, grab her, pull her close to me on our same pillow, and hold her feet and rub her feet until she falls asleep. Yeah, happy Father's Day to me. Yeah, yeah, that's, I know I'm a good father at 3 a.m. That's a good dad. It's a tired dad. But I do love snuggles. And that is what God has given you. The access to walk in. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Let's do something crazy. So I want to look at three different prayers that Jesus prayed where he directed to his father to help us on this journey today. Number one, pray a crazy prayer. Number two, forgive a crazy person. And number three, trust God for a crazy thing. Pray a crazy prayer, forgive a crazy person, and trust God for a crazy thing. In John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, Jesus is standing at the tomb of Lazarus, and they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes And he starts off the prayer, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42 says, and I know, number one, thank you that you've heard me. And number two, I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. He prays a crazy prayer because he's standing at a tomb where a dead man has been for four days. The Jewish people believe after three days, there's no coming back. Jesus stands there, not only raises him from the dead, but raises him from the dead beyond the belief of what people believe could be raised from the dead. Somebody dies here now in this time frame, when they're dead, they're dead. We don't think like, oh, maybe they can come back in three days. No, no, no. We're moving them to the morgue. We're pumping them full of stuff. We're getting them ready to put them in the ground. I mean, it's a very quick process But the Jewish people, they still had this hope. They still had this belief that something could happen in three days. But it was past that time period. And now they're looking at this man who says, roll away the stone. Number one, he's already crazy. This is going to be a smell. We've been mourning him. We've got all this stuff going on. And he says, Father, I know that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. And he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. Pray A crazy prayer. There's crazy prayers that are prayed all throughout the Bible. Joshua is fighting the bad guys. And he looks up 
And instead of saying, time out in the war, let's all go regroup, take a nap, eat something, and we'll come back and fight again at noon, guys. He looks at the sun and says, sun, stand still so that I can finish whooping the hindquarters of whoever he was fighting at the time. As the Egyptian army is pressing down on Moses and the Israelites, he prays a prayer, a crazy prayer. When has the sea ever split for us to walk on dry ground? And Jesus is standing in front of a dead man, in front of his tomb, in front of his casket, in front of his family, and he prays a crazy prayer. That God doesn't, time out, Joshua. Nobody has ever asked for the sun to stand still. That's too crazy for me to answer. Therefore, I'm not going to answer it. I refuse that request. He just responds to it. He just makes it happen. Split the sea so that I can walk right through it. Peter stands there in the boat talking to Jesus Crazy prayer. If it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, well, do you understand the physics, the science, and the biology of water and buoyancy and your weight and that? It it just doesn't. It's come. Just come. God is in the business of answering crazy prayers. He's in the business of answering prayers in general, but there's something that excites him when you start praying and asking God to do something that isn't normally done, that isn't normally asked for, that I feel like gets God excited. He starts cracking his knuckles. He starts calling the angels. Has anybody ever prayed that before? That's a good one. Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can change this. Let's see how we can move and make this thing happen. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, call to me, and I'll answer you, and I will show you boring and dumb things. No, I'm going to show you great and mighty things, look, which you do not know. So it seems like when I call to God and he answers me, not only does he want to just answer the prayer that I'm praying, he wants to do something bigger than that. He wants to do something great and mighty, something that I wasn't even expecting. When we pray and ask God for something, yes, he wants to answer that, but God also wants to flex his muscles just a little bit. And let me show you how daddy's going to take care of you today, how he's going to provide for you today. The Bible school that we went to in Christ for the Nations was started by Gordon Lindsay. And right when he started the school, he passed away. If I remember the story right, he was on stage at the school and died on the stage sitting in a chair. And his wife, Frida, they had just started this school. They were a couple months in. And they were building this Bible school in Dallas, Texas. And Gordon Lindsay passes away at the beginning of this and is left to this woman, Frida, to carry on this tradition of Christ for the nations 
which she did. She passed away, I think, my third semester that I was in Bible school, 2009, 2010. And Gordon Lindsay had written all of these books before he passed away that we read. And one of the books that he wrote in regards to prayer, and they talked about it all the time, he said that a Christian should pray one violent prayer every day. That we as Christians should pray one violent prayer every day. However violent you can believe, the devil's going to stop attacking my family. The devil's going to stop attacking my health. That I'm going to call God down into my situation. Sometimes we need to get a little more bolder when it says you can walk boldly into his throne room of grace. Pray one violent prayer every day. John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. John writes, now... This is the confidence. This is the boldness. This is the assurance that we have in him, in Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Not only does he hear us, he answers us. He responds to us. The crazier the prayer, the crazier the miracle. A couple of months ago, there was a trailer for a movie, a new Transformer movie. That was dropped like two, three months ago. My son, big robot guy, obviously, big car guy. So I called him over when I saw this trailer drop. And we've watched some of the Transformers movies. They're pretty terrible. They've got some good action in them. I said, Noah, watch this. It's like two, three months ago we watched this trailer. And his little eyes light up. Because not only is Optimus Prime and the uh, cars in the movie, there is now animal transformers in the movies. There's cheetah, there's uh, a big gorilla, there's a big owl. They all transform into these robots. He's like, Dad, we have to go. Son, we have to go. Yes, I agree with you. But when he asked that to me, it wasn't the right time. He didn't know that because the movie wasn't out yet. There was still two or three months. Well, Friday, last Friday, the movie came out. I didn't want to go because I hate going to the movies and I hate going to a packed theater. So yesterday, I had to go to Columbia for my haircut. And I thought, well, let me see. So the movie was playing in Columbia. So earlier in the week, I bought some tickets for him. And I said, hey, get in the car. I've got to go get a haircut. And he's like, can we go to McDonald's? I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll go after I get to my haircut. I said, hey, there's a surprise at 3 o'clock. I said, so I've got to get my haircut at noon. We'll go eat at 1. We end up going to the mall to waste some time. And then we'll go to the surprise at 3. So as I'm driving from the mall to the movie theater, I made a wrong turn because I thought I would... Uh, was it here that I was talking about the Garmin and the uh, map the other day? Well, I took a wrong turn because I thought that I could cut through something. And as I cut through something, I showed up at a movie theater that wasn't the movie theater I was trying to get to. And Noah goes, oh, is this the prize a movie? And I was like, dang it, we're not at the right movie theater yet. So, <laughs> yes, but not this one. And so we're driving through the movie theater to try and turn around. And he saw the new Spider-Man movie on the little marquee. 
And he said, oh, the, the Spider-Man movie's out. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're leaving that movie theater. He goes, oh, I didn't see the Transformer movie there. Do you think that's out yet? And I said, yes, I've got him back where I want him to. Hold on, son. Daddy's about to rock your world. So then we pulled up to the actual movie theater. And I said, you know, that other movie theater is not showing the Transform movie, but the movie theater we're at now is showing the Transform movie in 15 minutes if you want to go see it. He said, yeah, absolutely. And so we ran into the theater, got candy, and watched the movie last night. But as his father, I heard his prayer request, Dad, I want to go see the movie, two or three months ago. But the answer was, yes, I'm going to take you to the movie, but it wasn't the right time. And he kept asking, Dad, is that movie out? Well, no, not yet. We'll go soon. We'll, we'll try and figure it out. And I was working behind the scenes to do what I could as a good father to answer the prayer request. When he could have got mad and said, Dad, you just hate me. You don't want to take me to the movie. You don't care about what I'm asking you to do. You don't love me. Well, no, Dad, can I go to the movie? Yes, yes, I know we're, I, I know it's out. Let's watch another trailer. Let me just tease you with the answer. Let me just tease you with the miracle. It's going to happen. There's another trailer coming out. There's another scene coming out. But the right time was when I was going to Columbia this Saturday. I want to encourage you today to pray a crazy prayer. Ask your father one more time for that crazy thing that you didn't think was even a possibility, for that job that you were reaching for, for that healing that you were reaching for, for that change in your atmosphere that you were reaching for, for that change in your relationship, for whatever you were looking for. Pray that crazy prayer one more time. Number two, forgive a crazy person. Luke chapter 23, verse 34 we talked about this leading up to Easter. We talked about the seven sayings of Jesus. This is one of the first sayings of Jesus on the cross. Luke 23 verse 34 says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then, instead of the Roman soldier saying, Oh my goodness, it's the Son of God. Take him off the cross. I can't believe that we're crucifying him. They didn't bow down and worship him. They didn't offer a sacrifice. They didn't bring money. They didn't build a sacrifice and offer fire and praise and incense to God right then. What they did is they turned their back on Jesus and they started gambling his clothes away. Jesus forgave a crazy person. Crazy person. They knew what they were doing. They were good at torturing people. They enjoyed torturing people. And on top of torturing people, they were torturing someone who was not a Roman, a Jewish person that they were trying to overthrow. And they knew that the Pharisees and all of them were getting enjoyment out of this. And Jesus there on the cross, the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's happening. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 25, God, God is speaking. The prophet Isaiah records, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Why? For my own sake, so that I can have a relationship with you. Sin was what was keeping you from your relationship with God. And God says, I'm going to remove that out the way. You can't do it. Humanity can't do it, so I'll do it myself for my own sake. And on top of that, I will not remember your sins. So not only does God show up in your life and sweep away the sin, 
He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't sweep it in a corner so that he can go back and revisit it. He completely eradicates it. Not only will I remove them, I won't remember them anymore. So when I see you, I see you through the blood of my son in whom I am well pleased. So I can come to him and pray a crazy prayer because he came and he forgave a crazy person. He forgave my crazy sins. He forgave your crazy sins. In Ephesians chapter 41, 31 and 32, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Why should I do that? Do you know what they did to me, God? Do you know the evil that they did? Do you know the crazy that I've had to deal with? Do you know the frustration that I had to deal with? Jesus says, yeah, because God in Christ forgave you. Well, all right, God, I guess. If you can forgive me, you can forgive the craziness of humanity. And I know they did me wrong. I know what they did wasn't right. But I'll forgive them if you forgave me. Let's go back to verse 31, because sometimes we read things in the Bible, and we read these terms, and we think, those, we don't do those. This isn't me. I've never done this before. We check all the boxes. Wrath, I've never done wrath. Clamor, I don't even know what that is. Haven't done that, so I'm good with that. Let me let the word work on you like it worked on me. That word bitterness means a bitter root bearing bitter fruit. It means poison. That somebody did something to you, you never forgave them, and it put a bitter root inside of you. Because you never chopped up that bitter root, bitter fruit has grown. And every time you see them, every time somebody says their name, every time you see a text message from them, or whatever, that bitter root bears that bitter fruit. I can't believe they're doing good. Do you know what they did to me? And it's a poison. Many people have said this phrase, but I saw it by T.D. Jakes. that says, unforgiveness is only toxic to you. It's like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So many other people have, have said that phrase. I thought it would be spiritual and add T.D. Jakes' part in there. Wrath. What does wrath mean? I've never been wrathful before. Boiling passion or rage. Wow. I've dealt with some wrath before. Boiling passion or rage. That word anger means temper, agitation, or impulse. The word clamor means crying or outcry or tumult. Evil speaking means slander, listen to this, or injurious speech. Well, I've never done any evil speaking before. I go to church. I'm, I'm so godly. I've never done evil speaking before. But ever you've done injurious speech against somebody? Talking about somebody behind their back to injure them, injure their character, injure who they are and what they are because of what they've done to you? And then putting that all away with all malice. Well, I've never done malice before. That's too big of a word. It just simply means evil 
trouble, ill will, or look at this, the desire to injure. The desire to injure. And God tells us, put all of that away. It says in Ephesians 4, the very next verse after verse 32, it says, be imitators of Christ. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we need to, um, oh, come on, Lord, help me. Put on the new creation of Christ. To put on the new body of Christ. The old man has passed away. That we learn to forgive crazy people. People are crazy. People do crazy things. People in their own moments to protect themselves lash out. Last night, me and Maddie were watching the LSU baseball game and some of the golf we let our cat inside for a little bit. That was mistake number one. But he came and he crawled in our lap. And he was laying on my lap as we're watching the game. And I'm trying to be sweet to him, cautiously sweet. He's all of those things in verse 31. <laughs> and I'm, I'm rubbing underneath his neck that he likes. And for the first couple of minutes, he likes it. He enjoys it. But then he gets tired of it and he bites me. And I bop him on the head. I said, don't do that. Lay down. And he puts his claws out and he tries to like pad into my leg. I'm like, all right, you're about to go outside. A couple minutes later, I rub him a little bit more. And he bites me again. Bop him on the head again. But even in being nice, we have these protections that we put up. And sometimes our protections, because of things that have happened in our past that we need to work on, as being a new creation in Christ and let God work on us, our claws come out. And when the people try to help us or do something, we scratch them. And that person says, what are you doing? How dare you? I was trying to rub you. I was trying to be nice. I was trying to pet you. I'll never pet you again. And now all cats are bad. Get out of here, stupid cat. People are crazy. They're either crazy that they did it on purpose to hurt you and destroy you, or they're crazy and they didn't know that they hurt you. It's so vital, like Jesus, with our Abba Father here, that we pray a crazy prayer to him, but that we also, here on earth, we learn to forgive those crazy people. I had preached this a long time ago. I don't know if I've ever done this here, but as spouses, as future, if you want to get married in the future, I believe there's four important phrases that we all, as spouses, should say, oh, you came back at the perfect time, David, that we should all say to our spouses. These four things that we should say. So look at your spouse, number one, and say, I love you. That's an easy one, right? I love you. If it's not easy, okay, we're, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> we'll have some marriage counseling after the fact. Number one, I love you. Very important that you should say. Number two, here, here it comes, I'm sorry. Look at your spouse and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One of the hardest things as we get close to people for us to say, somebody that I love, I just said I love you, but somehow I'll turn my shoulder to you and I'm not saying I'm sorry. I know I hurt you. I know you're frustrated. I know you're angry at me, but I'm not sorry. Or we do the I'm sorry and then we add the but on top of it. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have looked at me that way. I love you. I'm sorry. If you're going to say a but, this is the but, number three, but I'll do better. Look at your spouse and say, I'll do better. 
But there's a caveat of that. Because we all want to do better, but sometimes we can't. So what I say is, I love you, I'm sorry, I'll do better with God's help. I want to do better. I really do. I want to love you. I want to say I'm sorry. I want to be there for you. I want to hold you. I want to support you. But there's some things in my life that I'm dealing with behind the scenes. And I want to do better, babe, but with God's help. And the last thing, one of the most important things that you as a spouse can say to your spouse, look at him and say this, let's pray. Let's pray. I love you. I'm sorry. With God's help, I'll do better. And let's pray. And I guarantee you, if you say those four things on a continual basis, you'll have one of the best marriages. Now, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Luckily, my wife's upstairs, so I didn't have to say any of that stuff to her. So, <laughs> But if you take time in your busy schedule, in the chaos of life with your marriage, and at husbands at any point in time, you say one of those four things to your wife, out of the blue, let's pray, all of a sudden, the marriage starts getting better. So husbands, please write those down, and please say those when they need to be said. And the last one, let's finish up. Trust God for a crazy thing. Trust God for a crazy thing. Luke chapter 23, verse 46, the last thing that Jesus says on the cross. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now remember earlier, when we talked about the seven sayings of Jesus, he yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's already established that him and God have been separated during this time. All the sin, all the sickness, all the disease, all the evil has been placed upon Jesus, and God has had to separate himself from looking at his son because of that. And now Jesus is on the cross, he's about to die, and he remembers that God had told him, I'm going to raise you up in three days. You are going to die on the cross for the sins of humanity, you are going to go in to Sheol, and in three days I'm coming to get you. In three Three days I'm coming to eat you. And Jesus said it over and over again. You read in the Gospels, he tells his disciples, in three days I'm rising from the dead. In three days I'm rising from the dead. Not only is he telling the disciples, he's telling himself, and he's reminding God, I trust you that in three days you're coming to get me. I'm not staying here forever. You're coming to get me. And the last thing he says is, Father, I trust you. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And by the way, I'll see you in three days. Now, that's a crazy thing to trust. On his deathbed, I know God told me this. I know God said this in his word. I know that God has spoken to this over the years. I know God has moved in my life. And God, I'm going to trust you that even though this situation is crazy, it's chaotic, it doesn't seem like you're involved in it at all, I'm going to trust God to do a crazy thing in this moment, and he's going to resurrect me in three days. He's going to bring me out of this situation somehow, some way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we've got this scripture all over, tattooed on our body, in our house, all over the place. It's almost as famous as John 3, 16. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not a little bit of your heart. We fall apart right there. We don't even get to the next part of the scripture because we don't trust God with all our heart. We trust our God with some of our heart. We trust God with our Sunday heart, but definitely not our Monday heart. 
It says, trust God with all your heart. And when you do that, you don't lean on your own understanding. I'm going to lean on God's understanding. There might be sickness in my body, but I'm going to lean on the understanding that God is the healer. I'm going to trust him. And then verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Another rough part that we have to deal with. And because of that, it says, he shall direct your path. We just talked about this over the series the last couple of weeks. That if we don't remember and focus on what God has said in the past, we are going to be led astray. But if we put all of our trust, all of our hope, all of our belief in God and what he's doing and in his word, he shall direct my path. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He shall direct your path. You won't fall away. You won't be led astray. He'll direct your path. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Miss Karen, this is your scripture right here. You will keep him, you will keep me, you will keep her, make it personal today. You will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. Let's not put the Bible way out there, so far away. I don't know how I can grasp it or understand it or whatever. Put yourself in that scripture today. Put yourself in that situation. God will keep me. Keep me. I know he'll do that to other people as well, but I need it right now. God will keep me in perfect peace. How? I've got to keep my mind stayed on you. I've got to keep my trust on you. I've got to keep my eyes and my focus on you. Corey Tin Boone, a lady who survived the Holocaust, wrote a great great book, great stories about her. I encourage you to go and read it. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. This is somebody who survived the Holocaust, not somebody who went to Shumpert's and they didn't have the right peanut butter. Somebody who hit all the red lights to work on Monday. Somebody whose boss brought in extra work to them. Somebody whose cable or internet went out for a couple of hours. Well, the Lord must be testing me. I can't get on the internet and watch 17 episodes on Netflix. This is someone. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to look at you like that either. (laughs) Been having a bad. (laughs) Receive that condemnation. It's for you. I'm joking. This is someone who survived one of the worst events in history ever. And she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Someone who's sitting in a concentration camp, not knowing what her next day, her next meal, her next hour would be like. Never be afraid to trust, I don't know what's going to happen, into a known God. As I've grown up, I've trusted God for some crazy things. And yes, it's a different levels of what I've grown up in. I've told the story before when I went to Florida. Dad had to work in Florida, and we wanted to go to Disney. And Mom and Dad said, we don't have money to go to Disney, so you're going to have to pray to God and figure it out. I took that as, okay, well, he's going to take care of it. I mean, I was 8, 9, 10 at that age. So I said, God, I want to go to Disney. I trust that you're going to help me figure out a way to go to Disney. And the company my dad worked for didn't tell dad until we got there that they were going to pay mom and dad's mileage to drive us from Lake Charles, Louisiana to Orlando, Florida. And not only is God a good God, 
with that extra money that showed up that we didn't know was going to happen to bring us to Disney World. We went to Magic Kingdom on Thanksgiving Day. We went to Universal Studios. We went to NASA, and we went to MGM Studios. So what my little heart and my little desire to my father, a crazy prayer and trusting him, God, I just want to go to Disney one day, open the door for us to go to four or five different places by providing. I put my trust in my future to God. Started going to college, knew that I wanted to help people. And I thought, well, how do you help people? Well, I guess you could be in civil service in some way, shape, or form. I said, and I'll go into college and get my degree in criminal justice. Because you can help people, but you also get to carry a gun and maybe have a little canine dog or something with you. So that's fun. And God completely changed my heart and changed the desire, calling me into ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. None of my family was in ministry. We grew up in church. But I didn't have any pastors to lean into of knowing what ministry and church and all those things look like. And I said, God, I'm just going to trust you that you're going to lead me and guide me. And I found the Bible school, Christ for the Nations. And because of that, I found my pastoral mentors that have poured into me and Maddie's life. And not only did I find my pastoral mentors, find my calling at this Bible school, I also found my wife. I would have never found her in Louisiana. I would have never found this South Carolina firecracker that could blow out a mic with her voice, could blow out my belly with some good cooking that we're about to have, that could make me some beautiful children that would bring me to this place to minister at this beautiful church and this beautiful place of property. I trusted God that he would take care of me. I'm trusting God for my future. I don't know what that looks like. There's prophetic words that are out there that we're standing on believing that God's going to do in our lives, but I'm going to keep trusting God for some crazy things. So let's do something crazy this Father's Day by stepping out in faith with our Abba Father. This week, pray a crazy prayer, forgive a crazy person, and trust God for a crazy thing. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you. Abba Father, we thank you. That we take time out of our busy day today. And yes, we say happy Father's Day to our earthly fathers and all the men that are around us. But that we take time to say happy Father's Day to our Abba Father. Say thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for taking care of us. Father, I thank you that being our Abba Father, I've got kids that say and ask some crazy things to me. And it's my heart's desire to meet those things. And so, Father, help us pray a crazy prayer this week. Let us have a crazy conversation with you about what could happen. God, what could you be doing in my family? What could you be doing in my marriage? What could you be doing in my kids? What could you be doing in my church, in my community? And, Father, let us be a part of that. Father, help us forgive a crazy person. Father, you know what they did. You know what they did against us and our family and our friends and whoever it was. And Father, it hurts. That bitter root, it's still there. And even probably now as we're talking and thinking about that person, it's bearing bitter fruit in our minds. And Father, today we choose to forgive that crazy person. And Father, help us trust you for a crazy thing. That we know that we're going to put our trust in you. And if we put our trust in you, you're going to direct our path. You're going to show us where to go and what to do and how 
to have a successful life. Might not be an easy life. There still might be storms that come, but you're going to help us walk through those storms with your peace by our side. So, Father, I thank you that you're a good God. You're a good Father, and I ask you to help us do something crazy this week by trusting in you. Now, Father, I place scripture over your people right now. I thank you that they are blessed and highly favored. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and man. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against them, we condemn now in the name of Jesus, because greater are you that's in them than anything that can come against them in the world. Father, I thank you that right now their body is the temple of the Most High God. They have the mind of Christ, and they are healed by the stripes of Jesus Let your healing presence reside from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. And Father, this week, use us as the salt and light of the earth that you've designed us to be. We are no longer the old me. We are a new creation. And as a new creation, we have new giftings inside of us that we have the ability to release upon the people that we come in contact with. So Father, I ask you to bless the Father specifically. Help them raise their kids and teach their children the goodness of God. Now, Father, bless them, protect them, and cause them to prosper everything they do and bring them back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Father's Day. Bring a dessert or something to eat next week as we have a cornhole tournament, and we'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.